Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. Many in the St. Louis region have ties to St. Louis University as alumni, faculty, or staff who've been part of SLU's 205-year history. There are also the relatives of people who built the campus, and it's a very particular and painful connection to the school, the descendants of people who were enslaved by Catholic Jesuits in Missouri in the 19th century. Robin Prouty is one of them. Her great-grandmother, three times removed, was born into slavery at SLU in about 1844. Robin, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So in the mid-2010s, the Society of Jesus or Jesuits spent three years researching its history of enslaving people. And in 2019, they sent 100 letters to individuals believed to be descendants of people enslaved by SLU. Robin, take us to the moment you opened your letter. What did it say? Okay, I was living in Maryland at the time, um, and I received the letter in the mail. I opened it. I went upstairs. I saw Slavery, History, Memory, and Reconciliation. And I was like, what is this? So when I opened it, it uh, was, uh, it just pretty much laid out a pedigree, say we're contacting you because research have um, found that you are a descendant of a woman, Henrietta Mills, uh, and it uh, went along my pedigree uh, to my father and to, and to myself, uh, and it was signed by um, a Jesuit priest. Mm-hmm. Now, what was it like to find out that you were a direct descendant in that way? It was... It was it was bittersweet, I will say that, because Mother Henrietta Mills, I had knew about her because I had been researching our history, and I saw her in the 1880 census, but it stopped there because I didn't know where she had come from. So when, so I say it's bittersweet because I know now that she was enslaved by Jesuit priests at St. Louis University, but it was sweet because it answered the question where did she come from? And was that something that you had been wondering? Of course. Yeah. As black Americans, we all wonder who we are, where we come from. We know that we are not, uh, we don't come from slaves, but that was a pit stop in our journey mm-hmm. uh, on this earth. So, yeah. of course. Now, the Slavery History, Memory, and Reconciliation Project, known as the SHMR Project, was created in 2016. And it was by the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States. We talked a little bit about that. Um, and it was in collaboration with St. Louis University. And researchers identified 200 enslaved individuals who helped establish and sustain Jesuit missions and colleges in Missouri, as well as in other states throughout the Midwest. So, Robin, your family, you ended up attending workshops to learn about the researchers' findings, sort of in addition to, to all that you knew already. What sorts of conversations did you have with other descendants and, and with researchers? 
So, uh, yes, in 2019 and early 2020, we did begin to uh, uh, go to workshops. My family members who were living here at the time, I live here now, but they uh, were attending workshops. They basically were talking about this history. Uh, They were beginning to talk about what are the next steps. Uh, And then, of course, COVID hit. Once COVID hit, um, I stepped in and uh, began to collaborate with the researchers online. Mm -hmm. So those uh, 200 enslaved peoples, uh, upwards of about 50 of them were our direct ancestors, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And is Henrietta Mills the ancestor that you know the most about? No, I am now what you call a subject matter expert. Mm-hmm. So how that did change my life learning about this, I immersed myself in the history. So I actually know about all her five siblings, her parents, and her grandparents who were the of the first five couples to come here with the Jesuits from a Maryland plantation to build the first Jesuit mission, St. Stanislaus, as well as St. Xavier Francis Church. Uh, And that's actually where she got married to my great-grandfather three times removed. So Mm -hmm. I know I go all the way back to the first ancestor, Mary Popow Queen, in Maryland. So, Mm -hmm. And you were in Maryland when you got the letter. Then you come back to St. Louis. I mean, it, were you in Maryland because you have family connections there? Like, it just seems like such a, um, a an interesting It's parallel. amazing because when I was online uh, virtually speaking with the researchers, and they said, Robin, where do you live now? I said, I live in Maryland. I live in Bowie, Maryland. They looked at me, and they were like, oh, my God. I was like, what? They were like, don't you know your original ancestor, Proteus Queen? That's where they came from, that White Marsh uh, plantation in Maryland. They were of the first five to come here. So I felt that it was just a divine order mm-hmm. that I was on that very land. Yeah. And yes, so it was it was amazing. Right. Now, you and some of your immediate family members are descendants, but you also connected with other descendants who turned out to be related to you. I mean, what did that say to you about this St. Louis region's history of enslavement and especially the recognition around it? Uh, It just, it was, you know, it really just let us know uh, what happened to not only our family, but many uh, black Americans. Like I said, I connected with uh, descendants who were, who stayed in Maryland. And we're also descendants of those, that 1838 sale, the 272 that went to New Orleans. We're also descendants of those. So it just let us know how, uh, this nation was built, that we are uh, part of that history. And as a family, we decided to organize so that we can uh, tell these stories. Mm-hmm. Now, we had a chance to speak with your second cousin, Greg Hawley. He's mm-hmm. also a descendant. And he mentioned that family members had various reactions to the news, but that he's approaching this work with appreciation rather than with bitterness. Yeah, that was uh, really to be uh, touched on the revelation of all of that. It was like kind of shocking and kind of like, you know, you go through, it's almost like a death. You kind of go through denial and you go through stages almost the same way. Uh, It was kind of like a shocking uh, and then at the while, 
there might have been, uh, I know some of my family members, there was a point of anger because they were surprised. And then uh, after that, the reality began to set in. And then actually appreciation. We appreciated the information that, that touched our lives. And, and some, I think, that some I did a little research, but not not to that that deep. It, it was just a great revelation. It was kind of shocking. A little denial first, and then the reality set in. So that was your second cousin, Greg yeah. Hawley. Mm-hmm. What my is father's like? first cousin, actually. Yeah. My second, yep. <laughs> so, I mean, there are many records about enslaved people, you know, put to labor at SLU and other Jesuit missions in the area. What went through your mind as you examined research material and learned about your ancestors' lives? And then like, just hearing what you know, what Greg said there, I mean, how does this all, how did it all work together, like in your head and in your heart too? Well, it really, as you look at these records and you actually see the names of people who their blood runs through your veins, right, as well, it makes you, it, it, it brings to reality what they had to endure, the unimaginable existence. And to think that people who say they see God in everything, did they see God in us? Why not? How can you bend down and pray and then turn around and take someone's birthright? Mm-hmm. That is what I don't understand. And those are the questions. And I want to, I want them to apologize for that and mm-hmm. say, you know what, we were wrong and we want to do everything in our power to honor your ancestors f- to make this uh, uh, campus what it is today. Mm-hmm. Now, the pandemic had an effect on everything, including the research project. And as I understand, there was a downsizing of the research project once the pandemic hit. What impact did that have on the research itself and, you know, more importantly, on you, yourself as a descendant, as well as others? Well, um, to my understanding, the um, um, the researchers had completed their portion of the research and they met with the board of trustees in September 2019 before they contacted the us. So, but after the unfortunate death of uh, uh, Dr. Jonathan Smith, who was spearheading this project, it seems that everything kind of took, uh, you know, it, it slowed down. Um, and then we met, then they hired an interim person and um, moved on from there. And now Dr. Smith's wife, uh, Rochelle Smith, who we've been meeting with, I think she's a wonderful person. And uh, but we we are wondering why it is taking a long time to at least give us a public apology mm-hmm. um, that, you know, there are two communities uh, central to the founding of this institution. And it seems like one community is always being honored and supported. But our 
community is not. The Jesuit faculty, uh, St. Louis University, they fundraised last year during the, co- during the pandemic. They fundraised and they raised $17 million to build the Jesuit faculty a 20-bedroom, five-guest-room uh, housing, you know, residential home on the North Campus. And so we want that same support. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. They are the benefactors of our ancestors labor right they're still benefiting today and we want to also be supported in that same way and that's why we want at at, at least uh, at this time a memorial to honor them mm-hmm. and toward that end in 2021 you and other descendants you founded a nonprofit called descendants of st louis university enslaved in order to see this commemoration um of your your Jesuit and slew enslaved ancestors. Robin, why is it that you all decided to prioritize formally organizing descendants to work, you know, to preserve heritage and and recognize your ancestors? Well, uh, I actually, if you don't believe it, I am a very private person. I'm a disabled veteran. I really you know, don't really want to be doing this right now. I have anxiety. But my family was like, we really need to tell these stories. Everybody is telling these stories, but we need to elevate descendant voices. Uh, And there's a concerted effort to try to not tell these stories, to keep it silent. You know, what's going down on in uh, Florida, taking away black history AP classes and things like that. So we decided that it was important. We knew we were in a unique position. A lot of Black Americans don't have this opportunity to actually know who enslaved them, where they were. So we thought that, and first and foremost, the voices of our ancestors, we got to speak for them. Mm. They're not just nameless souls. So that is the reason. So we decided to come together to organize to uh, we have weekly meetings, uh, I mean monthly meetings. I'm sorry, we discuss everything, and uh, we're actually happy about uh, other uh, university descendant communities. We're coming together uh, to support one another in our efforts. Mm-hmm. We need to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll return to this conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Let's return to our conversation with Robin Prouty, a direct descendant of people enslaved by Jesuits and forced to labor at St. Louis University. She is also the founder of Descendants of St. Louis University Enslaved, which is a nonprofit dedicated to advancing the public and permanent recognition of enslaved ancestors. Now, a big part of research and reconciliation efforts includes repairing the historical narrative. To talk more about that, I'd like to introduce another guest, Christopher Tinson. Chris is the chair of African-American studies at St. Louis University. Chris, welcome. Thank you for having me. You have invited Robin to guest teach your classes multiple times. What sorts of reactions or responses do students have after learning about SLU's ties to slavery, often for the first time? The first response is probably one that's expected of, of young students. is just, why didn't I know this before? 
You know, that's the first thing that they say, that we should have known this before. Um, why am I just learning this now? And then the next question is, well, what can we do to help? And that's usually how the conversation with undergrads goes in immediately. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's because they have a sort of a, a wide-eyed naivety about things? or? Yes, and I don't think that they're alone in that. You know, they're university students at a very precarious time in our country. Mm-hmm. and um, But that's still they still hold out the hope that they're going to have a – a normal university experience, you know, mm-hmm. that they might not have to engage with some tough issues. But as we all know, those of us who've gone through the university, tough issues are a part of it. Right. And so we're trying to bring this to them so that they can be informed early on about the history of the school that they're at. Now, reparative justice is at the core of Black Studies tradition. Briefly, what does reparative mean? Reparative is a... Reparative justice, honestly, comes out of the need to make reparations more understandable to generations who might not be familiar with the term or who might have had a adverse relationship with the term. And usually that comes with reparations calls for African-Americans in this country has always been a contentious issue. Mm-hmm. And so uh, broader movement folks have really thought about how do you expand this notion Um, At the heart of it is repair. At Mm -hmm. the heart of it is um, to heal communities, the community that's aggrieved, but also is a commitment to uh, conditions, changing conditions to such a degree that the the pain that's being addressed won't happen again. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's also a question of how do we hold ourselves accountable to that history, Um, you know, accountable to the past and accountable to the future that we want to create. I mean, I think it can be tempting sometimes to think about history as being its own thing. It's sort of uh, limited to what you learn in the, the classroom or even insofar as departments go, limited to you know, African-American studies. I mean, to your knowledge, have there been other departments that have been incorporating this history around enslavement into their coursework? Most recently, as a result of the work that Robin DeSlew, as well as the researchers with SHMR, have been doing, our university core has classes that um, address the history. Um, it's not taught by professors in African American studies, but our university core does offer at least one or two courses that engage this history. Mm-hmm. And Robin had mentioned earlier that there are other colleges and universities sort of coming to terms with this. Are they likewise making it part of of core curriculum for their students, or is SLU kind of leading along this this path? I would say we have a long way to go. Mm. I think that this has been volunteer um, for some professors. Some parts of the university have wanted to engage it head on, um, but it hasn't been taken up you know, in a full sweep in terms of what is our curriculum. And we have, you know, this history at the center of it. That's not the case. Mm-hmm. But there are some places on campus where it is engaged mm-hmm. um, in an academic setting. Yeah. So one of the reasons uh, direct uh, the descendants of St. Louis University enslaved have come together is to advocate for concrete changes. Um, what are some concrete things, Robin, that you'd like the university to do to repair, um, as uh, as Chris has said, repair the harm? Um, uh, as you know, everybody know, we have a currently a petition 
to uh, urge St. Louis University to honor our ancestors by erecting a monument and a memorial. It's five different levels, types of uh, reparations, and that is under satisfaction, a public apology, a, a memorial. There is restitution or restoration, rehabilitation. You know, that we're in a study right now about the epigenetics of what slavery has done and uh, to not only our physical but our uh, mental health. So what will you do to do that? So we're looking at like a research center to house this history, curriculum changes, uh, scholarships, and we even uh, believe that we are due compensation. We feel that um, we have to build this uh, institution, our ancestors labor, and we want to be a part of that. We want to be integrated into the community, just as the Jesuits are. Mm-hmm. We, we are proud. When, we, when I walk on that institution, on that campus, I feel my ancestors, and I'm actually proud uh, that they uh, were uh, instrumental to this uh, the success and an expansion. So we look and we see Verhagen and the 10 uh, presidents who enslaved our ancestors being honored. And I am going to, and many of our allies are going to make sure that our voices and our ancestors are going to be honored as well. Mm-hmm. Now, in a statement, St. Louis University told us that they are grateful to everyone involved with descendants of St. Louis University enslaved and are committed to exploring how to best honor the enslaved and their descendants, but they did not offer specifics. Robin, you're saying that efforts to properly honor the descendants have stalled at the university. What does a lack of movement signal to you? Um, it's unfortunate because we've been doing this since for four years now. We met with President Postello in 2021, and uh, he assured us that something would be done. And we see all kind of projects are being done, and uh, then there's this question of research. There is always going to be research. That's ongoing. And to answer the question, I don't want to go into that about what uh, Chris is saying uh, about the other universities. We have UVA and um, um, different universities that has moved on, built um, monuments, and they have all kind of programs with their descendants. SLU has been doing this for a while, and we really, you know, I have elders who I promised them that... uh, that they will see something. So I don't want to keep going, but it's really hard because Mm -hmm. I see my elders, and I want them to be able to look and say, wow, this is for our ancestors. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Robin Prouty is the founder of Descendants of St. Louis University Enslaved and herself a direct descendant, and Christopher Tinson is the chair of the African American Studies Department at St. Louis University. Chris and Robin, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Today's segment was produced by Aula Kuziz. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you 
find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.